Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Schomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we continue our conversation with Yanni Kosminski. For those of you who missed it, tune in last week where we talked about the state of e-commerce, the state of the aggregators, and a lot of really good conversation. In this episode, we're going to get into the roadmap to exit, and Yanni has a lot of great things to share. On to the episode. Like I said, I'm going to go and search and here I have, I found it. So one of the first things that we do when we're bringing on a brand, once we've gone through that audit, we really understand, we break it up effectively into into these five buckets, right? For those of you who are listening, I'm just going to talk through it as well. You can you can very easily understand what I'm, what I'm uh, talking about here. So we look at products, we look at brands, we look at marketing operations and business management. And on the back of that, what we're effectively doing is there's these boxes that effectively drive towards smaller and smaller boxes. It kind of looks like a spider web, if you will. We're looking at these six-month increments where we're putting in things that we know take time and effectively other goals that we have over this six-month incremental journey over this 24-month exit. So we're setting our metrics at the start. So what are our metrics look like today from a revenue perspective? How many products do we have? And what does our distribution look like? Are we you know, a purely Amazon brand? Do we have a DDC, wholesale, retail? Where do we sit? So we're marking all of that down. And then we're sitting and we're saying, right, what do we expect at exit our revenue to look like, our product, our distribution? Obviously, it's not written on this version of it, but we're, we're all, always focused on margin as well. You know, it needs to, that's, you know, for those of you who don't know, when we talk about, you know, exit valuation, it's typically on the EBITDA and it's a multiple on the baseline of that. So margin is really, really important. If, if you're listening to this podcast, us, you already know that. Ultimately, we work our way through and we, we look at it and we say, you know, what products do we think we can take to market knowing the time dependency in, in how long it takes to actually iterate? You know, is there any level of IP protection that we can put towards it? So effectively what this looks like, I might have a version. So I have like a mock version that I've pulled up here where the, the typical one looks a lot more robust than this. I remember when I was trying to put an example up, I just threw in a few very simple to digest examples. But what you're looking at now is in the in the first six months, build roadmap for 15 products, explore five new manufacturers, you know, the next six months, engage product designer uh, agency, finalize IP protection plan. We'll work our way through and we'll commit to these goals across 
each of these six-month periods. And like I said, our management consultants sit with the team and sit with the founder or, or, or the key personnel inside of the brand. And we're actually making sure that we're aligned, that we're, we're delivering. And if there's issues, we're working through it. So for example, when we're going through something like this, if you don't have a Shopify agency, we're going to help you source that agency. We've pre-vetted heaps of agencies from Amazon brand management, IP and patent law, manufacturers, supply chain, logistics, 3PLs. So we're actually coming in here. And and I think one of the big material differences coming back to the aggregator space here is that we're saying, particularly in this instance, we're not trying to own and operate this brand and grow it. What we're trying to do is we're trying to bring high value bolt-ons to free up a founder to focus on the 15 products they'll look to bring to market and explore and exploring those 15 manufacturers. And we'll have an agency handle a lot of these things because ultimately it doesn't matter who acquires the brand, they're either going to absorb that and bring it in-house for, you know, if they have that infrastructure or they'd likely just continue to leverage the resources given the you know the margin makes a lot of sense so again i'm going to stop myself because i can clearly talk forever and just hear from you guys if you have any questions if you want me to pull this down over you guys yeah no i i I really like this one thing that is standing out to me as we look at this example is remove all non-performing SKUs and simultaneously build the roadmap for 15 products and so i think that let's talk about non-performing SKUs for a little bit how would you define that and at what point at through like a launch do you say this this product is not performing we're going to trim the fat on our catalog yeah that that's a great question and I would say from my lens, like I haven't operated an Amazon brand myself for probably close to five years. So I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details specifically around a particular SKU ASIN and say like, hey, this is exactly how I would look at it because I'd be out of my, you know, I'd be out of place sharing that. What I would say though, and and one of the things that we realize inside of Escala is that what you'll typically see with many brand owners is that they'll have, let's give the example, brand owner has 30 SKUs and you'll typically have one, two, maybe three euro products, euro SKUs that are operating well. And you got these 27 other ones that are going on and they typically don't get the same love and attention as those top three euro SKUs. You're always saying, well, you know, that's the cash cow. Let's make sure that it gets all the resources, new photography products, you know, let's evolve the packaging. Let's make sure the listings are optimized, do all the keyword research, like invest heavier on the PPC campaigns and all of that. And all these 27 SKUs really get left by the wayside. And so what we immediately look to do as sort of that first 90 days before we get to this roadmap is we're actually looking at, well, why are these current products, SKUs performing or not performing operationally? Are they getting the same love and attention? Can we build a operational plan where they all get the same love and attention? And, you know, it's an even disbursement of how much creative each listing gets and every element, let's say it's a, it's a purely focused Amazon brand. And based on the back of that, based on the back of now actually looking at and saying, we've actually tried to give it the same attention. The margin isn't there. The level of competition continues to to grow. We don't really believe like this is something that six and 12 months from now, we can actually compete with. And I'll give you the example of we've invest- one of the brands that we've invested in. They're incredible brand owner, incredible business uh, owner, someone I really uh, respect and, and just think they're honestly a creative genius in how they approach product development. And, and they just understand their niche so well. It's scary. It seems to happen every year that product is brought to market, becomes a million dollar skew almost overnight. And 
within the space of a 12 to 18 month period, you get Chinese competitors coming in, selling a very similar product at a lower quality for you know half the price. And all of a sudden that million, multi-million dollar SKU starts to, to dwindle. And that's become a repeatable thing. But that SKU doesn't mean we're going to kill it because it's now doing half a million dollars or a million dollars if it was doing $2 million. We're just looking to evolve and bring more products to market, knowing that if we can free up their time, we're able to actually bring more products to market. So really long-winded answer for you, Dave, in in that we're really starting to build the important metrics attached to the SKU and looking at, have we done everything that we can? Do we see that when we look to sell this product or rather this brand in you know 12 months, 18 months from now, do we really see that as something that is performing at a level that's not going to harm overarching EBITDA of the business and, and is something that that is meaningful? So that's that would be the removal of non-performing SKUs. And we'd be looking to build some financial modeling against that and really understand you know, what does that look like? Also incorporating like the PPC spend and everything that goes into understanding that the true profitability of the SKU. And I think for a lot of sellers, Amazon doesn't want you to know exactly how much you're actually taking home. That's counterintuitive to their business model. But if you can get to that degree of clarity, then ultimately it's going to help you make much better decisions for the viability of your business performance in general. And obviously has a, has a pretty big implication on the ultimate exit, if that's your goal. I think one important thing also to note, because we've been talking a lot about what I've been doing most of the talking about, this whole model is very much predicated on exit, written on my, sk- my screen here in a couple of places. I don't think that with businesses in general, there's necessarily a need to exit, which might sound somewhat controversial here where we've got a business predicated on it. But my point, my, my point in all of this is that, you know, with e-commerce businesses, sure, it's it's expensive to grow. You know, you're, as, as you grow, so too does your inventory and your media spend. And it's a really cash intensive business just in general and how it's built. But if you could build that from 20% to, you know, a dream 40% margin, and you really get you know get your your metrics right, then there's no reason why you can't just sit on that for the next five or ten years and just bank that cash and and diversify your investments. So I just I just always feel sort of compelled as well in sharing with people that you know while exit is definitely a very exciting opportunity and something that is super material, there are businesses that make sense to just be absolute cash cows and and start to diversify your investment and create a portfolio of of other uh, opportunities as well. So yeah, I somehow how it got to a very, uh, very far away from the point here, but uh, <laughs> no worries. I hope it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. And so, so Yanni, a couple of follow-up questions here. And then for the listeners, if you're not able to see that Yanni screen, Yanni's advice, he's going to send us the link and there'll be a downloadable in the show notes. And so when you get home, when you're, or if you're our home and you're listening to this, just go to the show notes and download that sheet. Cause it's got, a, it's got a ton of information on there. And it was kind of broken down into multiple sections with brand, product, operations, marketing, and, and each one kind of blended together, which I really like. And so it was a very thorough roadmap and, and breakdown of, of how all those blend together and to an exit. And so two questions, two follow-up questions. One, there was a lot of a lot of expansion and I saw in their European marketplaces for Amazon, Walmart, D2C, there were Shopify, lots of expansion. That takes lots of cash flow as well as it's like a machine. When you when you get the 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 big snowball going, the snowball gets bigger and bigger as you go. And so you had mentioned a point, and I'm just kind of curious on. Uh, I know you're. This is kind of early on in the venture, but I guess the question is, 
when as this as this goes, when when you're prepping for an exit, everything is about the the uh, margin, right? EBITDA. We want we want trailing twelve months. Usually, that's how everybody is doing that. And so, with all of this expansion and all of these expenses piled up, now do you like plan for on that pulling back on that, or like letting it go to the ceiling and seeing what happens, and then maybe just pushing it out month by month? And then a follow on to that: Is there a clause in there if the operator, like you had mentioned, hey, what if this thing is a just a cash cow and we've and we were able to squeeze it up. Can we pull out of that and 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 do that, or how, how does that work? I'll start with the second one first because that's that's an easier question or more in my wheelhouse. Just given you know how we've built the agreements, our model is predicated on on the exit. You know, we now have been operating with a handful of these brands. You know, the earliest one we invested in was probably eight or nine, nine, ten months ago. Right now, we make nothing. So we're very clear that at the start of this journey that, you know, we're, we're looking to sell this brand in two years. The founder has to have exit in ten; otherwise, it's not it's not a fit because that otherwise it, there's a shift. Now, on the other side, if the business is going to plan or going better than hoped, and we want to push that out because we say if we can grow at another ten percent, twenty percent over the course of the next three to six months, let's do it. Then that's a conversation that we can obviously strategically have. But you know, we couldn't we couldn't all of a sudden flip the script and say, you know what, let's just hold on to this the next ten years because. Ultimately, you know, it just changes that operating model. I would say that's our current state, you know, where it's hatched, you know, a credit facility. Who knows what the future holds? And if we do the things that we hope to do, then ultimately that might shift. And as that becomes true venture and, you know, who knows where the actual capital comes from, maybe the model starts to evolve. Um, I would say from a personal perspective, South Coal or not, what we've built inside of Escala and Multiply Me is effectively the, the building blocks to facilitate a business like South Coal. But for me, I see so much opportunity beyond that. And just coming back to sort of my philosophy, Escala can understand, fix, and build any business that exists. And we've focused on e-commerce to date, but we have dabbled in a few other areas and seen some pretty good successes. We're starting to work with some VC, you know, uh, VCs that have, you know, a host of portfolio companies and sort of moving into more of a scale-up phase. And, you know, we're looking to explore that market and multiply me can find high value, low-cost talent. So we can effectively strategically scale the business and uh, create efficiencies and reduce the operating costs, both from an operational perspective and a staffing perspective. And for me, when I meet founders that are as passionate and motivated as I am, I wish that I had the resources that I have today. Four years ago, it would make a world of difference to sort of how I would operate. So I would say on a personal level, I'm very open to looking in time at investing in companies and you know injecting our resources that we have inside of Escala and Multiply Me and, and South Coal is one example of that that requires an exit. But I'm, you know, I, I guess my point on all this is that I really believe in this type of model where we can really help people grow and and hit their potential. And I don't think that forcing them to exit is, you know, the long-term strategy here. It just makes sense when we talk about e-commerce businesses, how capital intensive they are and how our capital structures are created. So that's second question. First question, you're going to have to remind me. First question is there was a lot of expansion and a lot of plans, you know, Six months, twelve months, eighteen months, and so yeah, EBITDA trailing twelve months. How do we how do we make that shift there on on the, the cash flow piece and into squeeze into squeeze for exit or or opt I'll say optimize for exit. Yes, yes. So I dropped that little nugget earlier on, and let me preface all of this with saying I'm not the investment banker. You know, Jason and Chris 
Jason, who's been doing it for 25 plus years, sold many, many companies, and Chris, who is his business partner. You know, that's that's really their shtick and that's that's what they do. But the nugget that I dropped earlier is that I think there are ways in which you can uh, alter the perception and look more at the upside potential of the brand. Like I was saying, maybe the future 12 months and, and the upside potential of what that looks like is what we would be going for. And again, I don't know how they work their magic, but I've seen it happen and I understand that there's definitely you know a million different ways especially coming back to it i would look to find a great investment banker or a broker to sell multiply me or a scala if and when that day came and i would say they have a very fine art around it now i would definitely say that we are trying to front load a lot of the work that's done here so you know when it comes to the heavy investments and things like that i don't see us burning the candle at both ends and trying to you know blow it up into the very last minute you know it's got to hit some degree of steady state but one of the things obviously that we bring to the table and, and i heard this analogy today and and i loved it and i really think that it's a it's a strong understanding about the value proposition of escala and what we're effectively doing inside of south coal is that you know when you look at the market and you look at i was saying i was having a chat with chad rubin if uh if you know Chad Prophecy, he built Scubana as well. Great dude. Anyway, he was saying that, you know, uh, he was asked the question, you know, does, does he invest in property or, you know, he's renting his thing. He's like, well, I'd prefer to invest in in, re- in, um, in property. You know, it appreciates, it adds value and, and that's great. And he said, well, when you look at a company, right, when you're looking at a company, effectively what you're doing is you are renting the talent until they leave and then they're gone and you lose it all unless you have processes attached to it. And that's where you really, the asset that is the business or the brand. And so what we're looking to do here as well is we document all of the processes that happen inside of the business and create a much more valuable asset when it comes to exit because any potential buyer can look under the hood very quickly and understand exactly how to run and operate this business. And you know sometimes we'll even build in how to scale it. So coming back to the question, we definitely would front load components of it. I think there'd be an element where we're trying to actually sell on the future upside potential. And the last point about it is that we're talking about you know, at this point, larger brands, brands that are likely going to go to a strategic or PE firm. So it's going to make a lot more sense to them than, you know, a typical aggregator that two years ago was just a bidding war for who would pay the most for the exact same thing, because it made sense uh, at the time that maybe makes a little bit less sense today. Yeah. Just one, one comment is I think, you know, having, having everything like multiply media scale, having every, everything involved there. So when you, when you do go to market, someone looks under the hood, they're going to see like a, a nice structured, I think that's just elevated it even more. As a buyer, look, look shopping around it, I saw, saw that out. Oh, wow. This is like crucial, especially, you know, going to PE strategic where they're going to put something in place. Cool. So David, any, any, any last questions for Yanni before we run him through the fire round? No, this has been an awesome discussion. Really good to learn more about South Call and everything that Yanni's been up to. And I think it gives a lot of our listeners some things to be thinking about, whether they're going into an exit, thinking about an exit, or maybe you're just on the front end of building a business that they eventually want to exit. So a lot of great discussion here and yeah, awesome episode. So let's get in the fire round. Absolutely. Yanni, you ready? I am. I hope I don't have the same answers as I gave last time. I can't remember what they were. (laughs) I don't either. So we're on the same page. Uh, All right. What is your favorite book? Favorite book. 
would be trying to think of things that I've read most recently. I'm reading a book right now. I think it's called The Founder's Dilemma. And it's an actual study that's done on about 10,000 founders. And just really interesting to see like all of the things that you might think are like unique to you and the stages of your business. And like, do I give up equity? Or what does it mean to have an effective partnership? Or how do I pick my business partner? All those types of questions. They've done like a real study. So I found that in, in, in my most recent reads, I'd say that's pretty uh, pretty good, but can't really look past books like Traction, EOS, and you know, from a professional standpoint, and uh, Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. I mean, you know what? Let's stop there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are all, all great books. So Founder's Dilemma. Excellent. Uh, what are your hobbies? I'm big into my uh, weightlifting, big fan of my, my dog over here who's asleep and a lot of time <laughs> together. Yeah, swimming, pretty active, pretty, pretty active guy and, and genuinely enjoy reading. Okay, excellent. What is one thing that you do not miss about working for the man? Having to put together an entire strategy piece and presentation, having to think like my boss's boss and how she thought about a situation and trying to reverse engineer it so that I could play the whole corporate game as to this has, there's no value in what I'm delivering, but I'm delivering it to appease everyone else. I do not miss even one second of that. I love that answer. Yeah. Being more agile, right? Uh, quicker, quicker. What do you, last one, what do you think sets apart successful e-commerce entrepreneurs from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Focus. I think focus is absolutely everything and being very intentional and, and sticking it out. And even if you don't get it right the first, second, third time, uh, I think that it's absolutely key. But coming back to those that don't start, I mean, you got to be in it to win it. And your worst possible outcome is probably a, a nice salary job working for the man. So what have you really got to lose? Yeah, I, I love the answer also. Uh, David, over to you to close out the show. Absolutely. Yanni, if people are interested in, in getting in touch with you, uh, whether that be through Ascala, Multiply Me, or South Call, what would be the best way? You can find me on LinkedIn, Yanni Kosminski. I'm relatively active there. Um, Yanni at Multiply Me, M-I-I, or We Are Escala, or SouthCall.co. I mean, all of those will hit me. So yeah, always happy to help give any unsolicited advice. It's usually terrible. But yeah, that's, that's probably where you find me. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Firing the Man podcast and looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks for having me, guys. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, Dot com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?